Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast, and of course we have another win to talk about because it's Mighty Red and White Army, Phil Parkinson's Mighty Red and White Army, um, joining myself and Gareth in uh, familiar surroundings of the Peacock Pub in Sunderland is uh, Love Supreme, I can never remember your title, Martin, Martin McFadden. Just the bloke that does all of <laughs> Just the things, because yeah. editor's not yeah. sl- technically accurate, I don't think, so is it? So he should be doing something else by now. Yeah, yeah he should have, should have grown <laughs> up and got a proper <laughs> exactly, job. Exactly, yeah. Well, he's, he's moved on to other things as well, but they don't sound yeah, as exciting proper, on They aren't proper on jobs on either, he left to be honest. Ball, no no proper jobs. <laughs> Just avoiding life. Yeah. Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo is with us again for the second time in a few weeks. Evening. Get you back in when we're doing well, Phil, that's a thing, because you've, you've been with us so many times when things are so... Dire and bad and poor. We might as well get you in while you're enthused about yeah, things. Yes, nice to come and talk about a kind of boring one 0 victory. That's what it's all about. It's uh, the dream. A, a significant performance that one. I think we'll we'll, we'll get into that. Um, got some great feedback from the Twitter on people's drunken stories at, at football matches. We shouldn't be condoning binge drinking before going to watch a football. I guess, but you know, we are, we are, we are. It's just because we're in the peacock and we um, we thought we'd. There hasn't been a statement or an announcement from anybody in a while, so <laughs> <laughs> so um, we thought we'd so announce. Phil's going to make one. <laughs> <laughs> the press. We thought we'd uh, just announce that we're going to we're going to be coming back and doing bits and pieces here in the Peacock before some games. We're not going to do it every single Saturday game like we were before. Feel free to come in and add some input if you want, Gareth, because I'm talking by myself here, um, and we are. Target in the Ipswich game. Yeah, <coughs> Danny Collins has agreed to come along, so we've got a guest booked in already. Yeah, so we'll get and, that um, in the diary. Usual, I, I imagine it'll be the usual crack, or what was yeah, the usual we crack? A, we need a. We're like the Pascal Jim Bonder of pre-match entertainment, aren't we? Jesus. Well, keep moving around. Just like you know, go from one place to somewhere else for six months, <laughs> cause trouble, leave <laughs> under a cloud, and then like go back to where they were before. <laughs> Well, we're back. We're back in our spiritual home, I think. Uh, yeah, that's what's very echoey. We're upstairs in the thing. It seemed like a good idea yesterday, and now I'm not so sure. But you know, we sorry about the, the audio. Well, I assume yeah, we'll yeah. be downstairs. We're, we're just, you know, but there's a the choir. There's a choir rehearsing yeah, down. Would have been a good background noise, would it? Because when you're in a pub, normally you hear the background sounds of all the clinking of the glasses and mm. stuff, and it sounds really authentic. But this is just going to sound really echoey and it's freezing up here well, as well. You know, I have put the heating on. To be fair, it just hasn't. <laughs> this is a great advert to bring well, people. No, <laughs> well, it's nice and warm. It, things can nice only get better. Yeah, this yeah. is pre-season. This is our pre-season. It'd be nice and warm on the uh, on on the, on the Saturday before the game, and that's another reason why you definitely should come in because it's cold outside at the moment. It will be mm. on the. F- 
8th of February when we play Ipswich. Yeah, when Barry was come. making some free stotties. Oh, well, free stotties, there you there go. You go. I mean, things like there you go. I need to iron sold. some things out, though, because it is under new ownership. <laughs> I need to iron some things out. Well, we, well, we do. We We're do. announcing the deal we, before it's even been completed. We've agreed to work before we even give any terms. We're now, it's now into <laughs> the Vincenzo Borra territory. Remember that? When we announced that we were going to sign that Borra. And the club Twitter feed had it on there, and then the next day he'd like change his mind because he'd rather stay in Valencia. And then, um, we, then we signed in Dong. And then we signed in Dong. Yeah. Uh, mm, that worked out well. All bad start stories start with, and then we signed in Dong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we signed insert n- any name. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I still talk about think t- Dong's all right to be honest. I mean, I know obviously it was a disaster in the end, but do you remember that Watford game though at the turn of the year where Moyes didn't pick him? And we were all absolutely oh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. when we when we were in the Premier League and he wasn't playing, there was a call for him to play. He looked quite young. He was quite yeah. young. He looked athletic. He had the height and physicality. But I think his signing is just linked so much to the fact they decided not to sign Jan and yeah. Villa for half the price. <laughs> and you just can't detach the two, can you? You can't separate again. the yeah. two things. No, it's not, not so a good thing. You just thing. go from a tangent of other, like, really... I suppose it's probably because he didn't keep axes underneath, underneath his bed. That's why we signed him. Mm. Maybe he did. I don't know. He went on holiday. He went on extended though. holidays. That was in Dong's problem, didn't he? Mm. Where he just didn't come home. He went home and like sacrificed chickens. Apparently, apparently. It's what they do when, you when your sister yeah, has no. a baby. People do that all the time. Get drunk and sacrifice a chicken. Well, you know, there's a Nando's up the road. <laughs> I mean, could have gone there, couldn't he? Could have the middleman. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think like yeah. you sacrif- make your you know own food there though when you go. Uh, should we talk about the football I'm going to read some of your drunken stories out by the way um, at the end uh, I was going to start and just to do a do a little intro a little bit sociability on air uh, and ask you guys what you're the drunkest you've ever been but I don't think any of you have been that mortal at a game before so that's really boring and disappointing sorry I'm always like working it's almost like I'm working <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a whole lot of minutes <laughs> there were times before you were working as a Sunday no it's fan. true the last, the last time I drank in a football game would have been um West Brom away, which was when um, I think it was Big Sam's first away game when Pantilamon dropped one. Oh, Berahino yeah, yeah. kind of shinned it in from about a yard, and then Danny Graham tried to fight James McLean mm. at the end of the game and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but it did get better from there. My uh, tyre nice. flew off on the way to that game on the A38. <laughs> there you go. The tyre came off, <laughs> which was <laughs> interesting. Do you want to talk about the game? Or? I don't know, you know, we're just, we're just yeah, having just, a bit of crack, yeah, aren't we? Just yeah, trying to ease right, things in. It's great for um, people listening. For reference, the drunkest I've ever been was uh, at a game at West Ham. Fell asleep, woke up at half-time, um, asked my brother what the score was. He said he didn't know because he'd been asleep as well. <laughs> we, t- <laughs> we turned round and asked the two guys behind us what the score was. They said we were losing 2-0, so we left and went to the pub. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think... Going by off people's responses, falling asleep, stroke, being sick in your seat are the two benchmarks for being mortal at yeah. a football game. I was going to start the story by saying uh, I had a couple of Advent chocolates and then went oh, to the yeah. south stand, <laughs> oh, but then people know that's not Yeah, I don't think he contributed, No, they? I don't think he did. Uh, yeah, there was the, at the playoff final, there was a girl came and sat in front of me just as the match kicked off, and uh, she was all dressed up to the nines and looked like she was going for a night out, not to a football match, and then... She was really loud, and I thought she's going to be really irritating. And after about a minute, she just puked up all over herself, it's burst, burst into tears. Wembley. The playoff final, yeah. We've got a couple of these actually of people doing that. I think uh, 
the occasion's got to some people. So we'll read some of those out at the end anyway. We have been going on a bit and we haven't mentioned the game. Yeah. Phil, you, uh, you hinted at it there that it was quite a, you know, in comparison to the last couple of wins we had, um, a lot more, don't say back to the wall because I think we deserve to win the game. But um, what was the phrase you used? A little bit more dull, but I, I think that shows more about us because you can't, you're not going to win every game 3 0 and blow the opposition away. It's really important to go somewhere to a team who are playing quite well and grind a win out yeah no it's a good sign because it's a good sign if you don't play particularly well in the game but at the same time you never really look in danger of losing it and for all in the first half I thought Sunderland were, were pretty poor to be honest um, didn't really do much with the ball kind of slipping into the bad habits we saw a while ago cutting quite early uh, quite direct quite early sorry and I thought MK Dons looked much better of the side having said that did they really create many opportunities that didn't because Sunderland were pretty pretty resilient and then second half they came out and sort of imposed themselves on it and, and at the end of the game on, on balance they deserved to win it so you know it was a um, it was a lot less fluent, it was a lot less exciting to watch than we've seen in the last couple of weeks but if you're coming away from a game feeling like you've not really got close to what you're capable of but you've deserved the win and never really looked like losing, it's a reasonably good position to be in and, and like you say MK Dons for all their low in, in the table they've been playing alright recently so it's a, it's a good result a, b- a big tick in the box I think yeah I mean if you think Martin as well I'm not suggesting Sunderland are suddenly going to start steamrolling the league or anything but because we've played this swashbuckle of style of football almost in, in, the, in the two wins previous to this game and you think back to some of the teams where we've smashed the league like under Reid and stuff you had this romantic idea and we did turn some teams over that season but mm. they all weren't all like that we did scrape some one nils in, in that season as well and it's what you've got to do isn't it yeah exactly I think those wins are, are like harder to come by and and almost like more satisfying and it was it was it was obviously a great goal and a sort of quite a dramatic celebration and everything with the flares and the players all coming over to the fans it was it was it's just a weird stadium as well isn't it for atmosphere where it's like you know it if there weird, was 13,000 in there then I don't know where the they fans, were wasn't it and left know, that exactly. middle bit behind the goal empty and then put us in the two corners that but was when I was watching it at the time I was kind of obviously you get frustrated because it, it's nil nil and you want everything you know you just want to get that goal but when I watched the highlights back we, you know we could have well Ozturk probably could have had six but um, <laughs> let's never play him up front <laughs> but um, but yeah, we could have like like we could have comfortably had another four nil if if our finishing had had been better. But I'm happy with another victory. I'm not going to start moaning about seeing Sunderland win football matches. Definitely not, Gareth. Are you going to stop typing on your keyboard and have an input? Typing on my keyboard in this conversation. I know I'm you're doing the admin. You're trying to be prepared. I'm contributing. You're, you're he's multitasking. He's, he's producing, but he's not to the overall piece. <laughs> yeah, to the overall product. Yeah. You hear you primarily talk. <laughs> Come on. All eyes on you. And this yeah, bit, this was, next I mean, thing you say better be like really good. I thought that they were one of the. Arguably, in a game, in, in the game itself, were the best team we played this season. In terms of the way they approached the game, the way they kept the ball. Um, you know, they seemed to have a good plan. You know, they seemed quite solid defensively. Um, I thought the lad, the 23, I think it was, I think they signed him on loan from Norwich, the forward. I thought he had a really good game. Um, and they were really good in the first half. I thought they were probably the better team in the first half overall. Um, but what was really positive was that I think, you know, if, if that game was in that run, you know, in November, December time, early December, we would have lost... Um, we would have lost 1-0 yeah, yeah we would have lost like, it would have been I mean we, we didn't play as 
anywhere near as badly as we did Gillingham, for example. But you know, it just felt as though inevitable out there we're going to score on on the Shrewsbury game or whichever game you want to talk about, where you know we looked all right at times, but then they scored and it was just like, well, and I, I was actually saying like sort of midway through that second half, I can't see us. Just didn't feel like we were going to score. It was like one of those days, um, and that's when you need somebody to do something like that. So and it was. When he hit it, I thought, like, like when I watched the first time, I was like, the keeper looked a bit pathetic there. And then, like, when you watch it back again, he, he just had, it was a great hit. He just had absolutely no chance, loads of bend on it and loop. I think you certainly thought it wasn't going to be our deal when um, Gooch and Wyke had those two chances cleared off the line. Yeah. That's when you do think, oh, God, it's not going to go in for us today. Yeah, no, it was that was unbelievable. Like initially, I'd actually thought it was the same defender, just because it was such a bizarre um, passage of play. But no, I think that's that's probably the big change from where we were sort of five six weeks ago. Was was then no matter what, someone didn't seem to be able to create chances. Now, even when they're not playing particularly well, not at their fluent best, like on Saturday, they're still working the goalkeeper a lot more than the opposition. And, and as we've mentioned, their set pieces they look like creating a chance from every single set piece. And defensively, they're a lot more solid, so that gives you a platform to win any game of football. And, and look, if they're going to play as they are at home, that's all you have to do away from home. Is if you tight at the back and you work the opposition goalkeeper, you're going to keep picking up points. So at the moment, it looks very, very positive. And, and that set piece threat's a big thing as well because I don't, I don't remember something really at any stage for a while looking better than the opposition at set pieces. Yeah, and right and now they do massively. I, I thought that too. Like you know, a lot of the opportunities that were had were created. I mean, the goal kind of came from a free kick as well, even though it was hardly punted in, but it was, a, it was a dead ball situation that, like, the pass to Gooch and obviously 9 missed, missed a chance and there was a lot there was a lot created from set pieces, which, which we really struggled to do under Jack Ross, but then, obviously, at the time, we had a team full of tiny players who gradually kind of start looking like a, a League One team, which I think last year there was, a, this, there was this kind of denial where we were like, oh, we're going to out-football everybody but by the time we got the ball into the final third or near the penalty area, they had all their men behind the ball. So like now we're sort of bigger and stronger and, and faster. And I think that's what you need to be to be a functional League One team. I did like that their manager come out and said that he thought they were the better team in the first half and the Sunderland players were having a bit of a heated discussion with, with each other going down the tunnel and then they found a way to overcome that. I like that because it shows that they're the care and the thinking about it and, and, and you know we're not getting this right lads we need to sort it out I, I like a bit of that I think there's a there's an expectation within themselves now as well when you go and beat teams like they have done in recent weeks you kind of expect to keep doing it um, and you could tell in the first half there was there was a, a, a lot of frustration I think as much as anything because you know pride comes into it if the opposition have got all the ball and they're passing it through you quite nicely as MK Dons were controlling midfield then you know I, yeah, I agree. I like that it's, they came out in the second half and they were determined not to make that happen. They got right up the pitch. They got in their faces a little bit more. It made it more difficult. But what I would add as well is, is although I thought MK Dons were, were the better side in the first half, certainly better on the ball, the, the application from something off the ball was, was terrific. You couldn't accuse anyone of not covering the hard yards. Defensively, Willis again was, was excellent. Um, and, and that's a really good place to be because if you do that every game at this level, you're not going to be a million miles off. This is what Phil Parkinson would say he has been working on during that run of form where we were dreadful and it was, it's like night and day. He would, one of the first things he said when he came was we're not doing enough off the ball, we're a bit loose off the ball. So he would argue he's been working on that this whole time. Whether it should have had a, an impact as, 
negatively as it did is another thing. But he would argue that, wouldn't he? Yeah, very much so. And look, I, I, you look at the team, we've talked about this before when I've been on, if you look at the team now compared to us a few weeks ago, I mean, the biggest difference is, is the intent. Um, if you, you look at, we've talked about before about the personnel, certainly the wing-backs that have gone in there now are a lot more attacking than what we were seeing at one stage. But I think it's fair to say as well, the, the work they have been doing on the training pitch and in terms of the conditioning is making a difference because they're pressing in a way that we probably haven't seen for most of the time we've been in this division. And so, yeah, you can you can take a, an awful lot of credit for that. I'm just I'm sorry, I'm just looking at Gareth. He's, he's looking out the window now. He's just not interested in this tonight at all. <laughs> well, there's, there's, no, there's, there's no one listening. <laughs> the, the thing is, I didn't, I, didn't watch the, I didn't watch the match, so I'm needing as much help as I can to, to, to get through this. You're all my eyes, my eyes on this game, my arms for this podcast. Because um, I was watching it at St. James Park on Twitter. I did think we'd score just because it looked like there was that much pressure going off, like mm. mainly Phil's, Phil and James Hunter's tweets, you know, another chance, another chance, another chance. I was thinking, surely one's going to go in soon. And then uh, Mickey Gray shouted, get in behind me, and, uh, <laughs> and I realised we'd scored. Well, this, it kind of reminded me of, of games when we were in the, the Premier League all those years ago. And like <clears throat> we'd match teams um, in terms of application, and then, and then a moment of magic because they had like, a bit more quality than us would like, lose us the game. And I think that's what happened with MK Dons. They probably deserved to get something out of it first half. Anyway, and then and then I think as the, as they tired, we got more and more chances, and then obviously, Gooch stepped up without without one, you know, and Maguire and Ellie scored from a similar free kick than he did the week before. And it's good save. And I think I think that's what's beginning to happen now. We're, we're sort of like functional and athletic, and we're stopping the other teams like having too many chances. But then there's a couple of players in the team as well who are having to press, but also like. Are scoring a lot of goals. I mean, um, it, it must be great for like Gucci and Maguire because I think when McGeady was in the team, you couldn't really play that that high press because if one person went like he wouldn't, he didn't have the athletic side of his of his game. You could sort of say Maguire is not that athletic, but he's be, he's really ste- he's really stepped up the last couple of weeks. And then obviously the other people involved have got pace and power as well. And I've thought all along that if you if you put League One defenders under pressure, then they'll They'll make a mistake, you know. And we're in, like it's taken us eighteen months to <laughs> to like realize it, but yeah. and that's know. why the fitness does come in because I, I want to see all the positive things around what Phil Parkinson's done. Um, you, you know, we're, we're happy to to sort of acknowledge we were wrong about some things, and fitness is one. Pressing from the front comes with that. We mentioned that the other week when you when you were on Phil. Um, is there a concern that he's found a starting eleven that works and there's not much after that? Um, well, I mean, that's what January's for, isn't it? I mean, the shape of, of what you're expecting from the January window has probably changed quite a lot in the last three or four weeks. You know, a, a month ago, we were probably looking at thinking we need four or five players for the start in 11. Now you're kind of looking at saying, actually, what we probably need is we need cover in certain areas or players who can at least compete. You know, centre midfield is obviously the big one where at the moment you've got a partnership that's working really well, but you've always got a chance for suspension or injury. So it's about getting someone cover in competition. Um, I think the options are fairly good. I mean, I, I think Elliot Embleton will come back into it, and I, I was really excited about him at the start of the season. I still think once he's up to match fitness, and is he going to be one of the, uh, the sort of Maguire and Gooch role? Yeah, he, he'll play. Him? He'll play off the straight, which ironically is actually where he played all the way through pre-season when they were playing the same system. It didn't look anywhere near as well worked as it does now, but that's where he was playing. It's, it's a role that I think the manager thinks he can play. The manager has talked a lot about how the injury what it has allowed Embleton to do is, is get in the gym and bulk up 
and he thinks he's in a very good shape physically now to come back. We all know he's got the quality. So I think that's one to watch. Um, and you're still in a relatively strong position in that I think there will be further kind of shuffling between now and the end of the window. But ultimately, with someone like Mark McNulty, I do think at times he has, he has looked like a threat. Um, so I do think there's some options there, but you probably want three or four additions in, in key areas just as much to, for cover and competition as much as anything else. But I think it, it looks in a, in a reasonable shape for the most part. I think we've already seen it from like Lafferty as well because obviously Wyke was tiring on Saturday. Lafferty came on <clears throat> and we had that extra push and obviously he was on the pitch when we scored. And then I think maybe the centre-halves are starting to believe, oh, well, I'm getting the better of him. And then... So, and then and then he, and then that big lump comes on, and it's like, oh, great, you know. He, he, he won quite a few <coughs> aerial challenges, Lafferty. Actually, in the time yeah. he was on, he did put himself about, and he looked. It's a bit of a classy player, Lafferty. I've always he looked thought all, he's he got good, all right. dis- good touch. He was working Very hard. Low as well, league version like, of Peter Crouch. I've always, yeah, I, always I mean, that. he's generally played at a higher level than he is with Sunderland, so I think he should be able to handle it. And the fact that he's obviously got this short-term contract, I think it's a good position for everybody because he's got to prove himself. You know, if we if we don't keep him. It'll get him a contract somewhere else, um, and it's, it's he's not like in a he's not in a comfort zone of like a one and a half year deal. He's 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 got to do well, and I think he's a perfect replacement for for Wyke. I I don't think Wyke would have played so well against Wickham if we hadn't assigned Lafferty the day before. Definitely same impact in it, give him a kick on the backside, which is what you want, and that that comes that brings us back to the midfield situation because, um, like you just said, Phil, that that partnership has developed and. George Dobson's another one who's completely changed uh, people's opinion around in a short space of time. But the way we do play, you need legs and you need energy and there's not a lot in backup. And we think this deal for Doherty is stolen now because of money? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure the terms of the deal are a part of it, but I do think it's probably a little bit more complicated than that. I mean, last Thursday, the news obviously broke before the press conference and Phil Parson didn't really give me the impression that was his one that he was really desperate to do. It was obvious there was an interest, but I think he was one of a few different options. I think, interestingly, Doherty, I think, is probably someone who, in the current system, you would probably play off the striker rather than as a, okay. necessarily as a central midfielder. So I think there was a few reasons why kind of everybody was on and from that. You've got to think it from the player's perspective as well. He's been frozen out of ranges. If he is just coming somewhere for six months on loan, he's going to want to play, isn't he? He's not going to want to wait three months for an opportunity. So I'm not saying money isn't part of the issue. I'm, I'm sure that's a factor, but my suspicion is that Sunderland will sign a different centre midfielder, um, and we'll see that hopefully sometime this week. Um, I think I mean Doherty obviously ticks a lot of boxes because he's experienced in this league, um, but I think I think there's a lot of reasons why that's maybe not accelerated over the last few days. I'm I'm, I'm sure money is is part of it, but I think there is a few more considerations as well, and definitely part of that I think is because you do need that almost orthodox central midfield option if you like I think Ethan Robson I hope he gets a chance but if you look if you've, you want four central midfielders who can execute what you want to and at the moment he's got two possibly three so he, he definitely needs another one and I think that'll be the next priority <coughs> once Bailey Wright's confirmed he wasn't on the bench either was he Robson at the weekend he wasn't no which is a bit after being recalled I would have thought he'd be on the in a few squads at least but it's a bit disappointing for him probably so I don't know if maybe they'll be thinking about sending him back out. Possibly. I don't know, and, and that's probably part of the reason why <coughs> he hasn't been included on the bench. Because if you do that, he can only go back to Grimsby. If you keep him out of the squads for a little bit longer, there is a potential you could maybe lo- loan him to a League One club somewhere else. So that uh, that's possibly a consideration as well. 
Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see on that one. Certainly, it, it doesn't look like he's going to be someone who's going to be competing straight away, does it? Otherwise, he would have been in the squad. So it's it's clear. Like I say, I think that's the next priority. I think once the once the deal for Bailey Wright's done, whenever that is. What's the story with with Bailey Wright then? Is he is he not getting a game at Bristol because he's he's captain and he hasn't been, has he? Yeah, no. I think he's yeah. only played three times this season. Right. Um, I mean, I th- he's a def- central defender. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's someone who would. I get the impression he would probably I think he would compete with Aleem I think he's someone who would be almost like the anchor if you like the, the leader right. of the defence he would have that central role where the responsibilities on the ball aren't, aren't massive um, you know, he's a very very experienced player he's played a lot of football um, and to be fair you know, the, the reason why it's, it's taken 20 odd days is because there was quite a few championship clubs monitoring the situation as well so you, know, you never, you never judge until people have played, but that looks like a fairly, uh, fairly savvy addition. Leaves us quite steady in terms yeah. of defenders. I think, that does, I think it? like if you're going to play three centre halves, it means you've got five. Yeah. you can call on there. I think looking ahead as well, you know, say we were to, you know, get promoted this season, which is the aim. You know, you've got a player there, who, you know, has good experience at Championship level, for for Preston and and for you know club cap- captain at Bristol City, and then. Obviously, you've got Willis, who you know can absolutely step up to, to yeah. championship. So you've got a couple of players in that group there who you could say, well, you know, they're probably capable of competing at the at the next level up. So and, and you know you're going to need those leaders in the dressing room as well, as the cliche goes. And it would be another one to add to the you know someone with a lot of experience. I mean, never never seen him play. Don't know what kind of player he is. Um, but yeah, I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a Preston fan who, you know, said he, he left you know, apparently the line apparently was he left Bristol he left Preston to to go and win something. I don't know if that meant to go and win like the, the championship and get promoted. I don't know if that was but obviously that hasn't happened, so so Bristol City seemed to be the How Peter, long ago was that? Um, was probably two two years was it? Yeah, since 2017. Yeah, Bri- Bristol City seemed to be the Peterborough of the championship in some respects. Like they're always kind of Seventh or eighth, they can't quite. The start of the yeah, season, they yeah. can't quite just get that sort of get it over the get it over the line and, and give themselves a better opportunity. I know they got the playoff final a fair, a fair few years ago, so mm. it's a bit more positive, though, isn't it? Like bringing players in who can like handle themselves in the championship or coming down from the championship, it, it feels like more of a step up um, than some of the than some of the signings we've been making of late. And also, I, I think the system we're playing, like central defenders, is probably like probably like the most important people in the team. As you've seen with like Willis, he's got like so much more of the ball, and he's, he's he's becoming more confident, doing little tricks and bombing forward. And I think it's like the backbone of the team. If it, like <clears throat> if you've got quality in those three positions, then I think it's going to make that system work so much better. Any news on outgoings? You think Phil Will Grigg is going to be? How much a side can afford to contribute to his wages? Yeah, it's, it's like the same old problems, isn't it? It's, it's the things it's, we're supposed to be getting away from. Yeah, it's a difficult one. That I don't really see how that one gets resolved because I don't see them loaning him out to another League One club. Um, because even your League One competitors, I don't think are going to be able to. Well, I, I strongly suspect won't be able to match what he's on at Sunderland. So you're then effectively taking the risk of paying Will Grigg to fire somebody else to promotion. And look, no matter what's happened here, you know he's got that capability. 
Um, Off up to Steve Bruce in Newcastle. He loves strikers there. <laughs> yeah. And then he's got, he's got injury problems. You know, is someone in League Two going to be able to make it worth your while? I'm not sure. Is Will Grigg going to want to step down to League Two? I, I, I don't know the answer to that. So I guess it depends um, which team it is that he's going to. Yeah, very, very much so. You know, I guess if he was going to a team in the northwest, he'd probably think, "Well, do this for six months." Uh, you called yeah. Salford the other the other week on the podcast, and they've been linked with them. Haven't they? Uh-huh. And it, was, it looked like he was going to go to Blackpool, but obviously they've they've made a big signing now. So, I mean, Salford are weird. I mean, they've just signed. I mean, it's bizarre that they got Baldwin off us. I mean, he was a player who paid a fee for. And then there's, you know, they've taken that hunter from who had some issues, but he was quite highly rated. Fleetwood again, a team sort of in the top eight of the of League One, um, and they've brought some um, other. I think this was it Andrade they got from Lincoln, yeah, as well. Are they, are they pushing for promotion? Well, they're, they're not really. I think they're all sort of. I think they're twelfth, thirteenth at the moment, Salford. But it seems strange. I mean, I don't know how they can afford. To do all this kind of stuff, but there you go. Rich owners. Well, I know, but you know, it's just a bit weird, isn't it? Well, maybe they're they're probably just not using like the financial fair players as an excuse not to spend money. (laughs) Yeah, maybe I I don't know, but yeah, it's just a bit odd. But yeah, he probably end up going there. So, but you would, you probably will. And then Gareth says it's happening. Get it in the paper. Bit in in paper, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Having a look at somebody's Twitter earlier, and it was Neil Graney. I think he's involved with Rock Report, so thanks for this, Neil, because it saved me doing my own research. I'm just going to pinch it, and I'm going to assume it's accurate and that you've done your research properly. Um, but he's drafted a league table on, on Twitter. <coughs> he's made a custom league table of since Phil Parkinson arrived, basically, which is around 13 or 14 games, depending on which team you are, which we think is about right. So we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, and Sunderland sit fourth in that table. So that's been some, been some turnaround, that hasn't it? Oh um, well, yeah. Gareth, your thoughts on Philip Parkinson's turnaround? Um, well, it's great, isn't it? You know, you know, if you play, in the, if you play, you know, the way we have in in games, that, you know, Fleetwood will absolutely deserve to win the game. You know, really good at Doncaster, really good against Lincoln, really good against um, Wickham, obviously, <coughs> and then you supplement it with performance like. Um, MK Dons, great. That's what that's what people wanted and hoped for and expected. You know, three months ago, three and a half months ago, when he when he came in. So um, I know people will say, you know, you needed time and all that. Yeah, but you know, we'll go back over the the reasons why people were so irritated by what they were seeing. Um, but it's been night and day, hasn't it, since that Doncaster game? And now we just got to hope he. You know, he keeps it going. Massive week coming up now with, you know, Doncaster on Friday. There's not too many games this weekend, I don't think. And then we've got yeah. Tranmere. And then there's three tough ones off the belt. Um, I think we've got Ipswich, Portsmouth, Ipswich. Um, and another one which I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's another sort of... Oxford. Oxford, Oxford yeah, sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah, should, rem- should remember the Oxford game, which we'll plug <laughs> that thing later. Yeah, but um, <coughs> so there's three. I don't know if we had a midweek in there as well, but there's three game teams in the top six there. So, yeah, we've, you know, Portsmouth unbeaten at home this season. So that's going to be a really, like, massive test. But this is... They like us down there as well, don't they? Yeah, so this is going to be the... This is going to be... The next six weeks are going to be... When we find out, you know how much that 
bad start to his time at Sunderland will cost us at the end of the season. Well, the bad start under Ross as well. But I think what's <coughs> interesting about that that table that I'm looking looking at through your yeah. cr- so, through so your the, cracked the, screen. The, the, the top six: Rotherham number one, Coventry second, Wickham clinging on the third, surprisingly. Uh, Sunderland fourth, Oxford fifth, Portsmouth sixth, Doncaster seventh. Hmm. That's looking like the top seven in anybody's book, I think. Anyway. Well, yeah. But what's interesting about it is, like, after the Bolton game at home, we were, like, third bottom in the form table yeah. based on only on Phil Parkinson's. So we were actually in relegation form, and people were, like, talking on Twitter where truth is always spoken, <laughs> um, and no one overreacts about League Two football. Um, but also it shows how tight the league is as well because there's a lot of teams on similar points. So we've gone from, like, third bottom on form to, like, fourth top on form in the space of, what, six games? Well, we won. We drawn. What is it now? We won four, drawn one in the last five, or won yeah. five and. No, that's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah is that right? Yeah. I mean, we should again a Fleetwood game. We, you should know, the won, chances yeah. we had. No, and nobody, saw, nobody saw that run coming. We were no. We're not going to go on and on about it. But this, yeah, uh, yeah I admire Phil Parkinson now for having the balls to recognise something needed to change. And we look back at the Peter Reid moment when he did it all those years ago when we lost mm. at Red in 4-0, which we mention on this all the time. Um, but it's true. Yeah, and, yeah. and he ripped things up. Now, Parkinson hasn't ripped it up to that extent because no. Reid really changed things. He, he, he dropped loads of players. He put loads of attacking players in. Yeah, he the formation's been quite Melville, similar here, he? but it's, it's different. You, when you mention the goal there, and we got a free kick leading up to the goal, little interchange, little triangle passing to win that free kick and to draw that free kick, mm. we were not seeing that. Now, whatever it is, he's recognised he needed to make a change. And that Doncaster game was the line in the sand, and he's done it. And you, you've fair played with somebody to. Well, to, you don't. To, I mean, do mate, you don't know, do you? I mean, you know, and it wasn't like uh, it was just. Made so, it was, the no, game, it, it right wasn't just. So, it wasn't just social media where people were like unhappy. It was in the in the in the ground, of and it was, yeah, you, uh, you wouldn't be surprised if there was a discussions internally. You know, frank discussions saying, "Look, like." Well, the home ground turned to, on him two, to, yeah. two games. The Burton game yeah. that, that turned on him. Yeah. And then the there was another game where they started chatting Phillips. Yeah. But you're going to... But it's true. Goals, you, it, you, know, yeah, you wouldn't it. be surprised if internally... Because you know, they're all... You know, they'll be having these discussions all the time. I wouldn't say like an ultimatum or something like that. But you wouldn't be surprised if like someone went up and said, look, you've got to... You're going to have to do something here because we can't... We can back managers... And, and do the whole, you know, managers need time to get things right thing, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is going nowhere, this is nowhere near the, where, what we were expecting, you know. To, I think everyone to, was to, already, to see. had a negative vibe about the way last season ended as well, so it was always difficult. But, I mean, and then obviously we'd be, like, we, we smashed Tranmere, didn't we? So it was, so then some people initially were like, oh, this is going to be great, and then it just got worse and worse. But I, I think if you even, we compare it to different managers, um, after a kind of great start from Allardyce where we beat Newcastle you know I think we conceded five at Everton lost every single game in December mm. um, lost 4-1 at Spurs where people said Kirchhoff was the worst signing in the history of the club <laughs> one player of the year that year um, but it took Allardyce a while to get going and he was playing for draws and it's, it's, a, different, it's a different situation because he was trying to get <clears> us <throat> Just to stay up, so he didn't have to win. Yeah. Every, he didn't have well, to win every a, week. It was the Premier League as yeah. well, and, and it was a lot exactly. And he's a Premier League manager, and obviously Phil Parkinson has been brought in to be a League One manager, and that's that's the league that he knows. But it doesn't. I think you have to kind of tell the story at the end of the season because under Allardyce, it took us a while to get to get going. Certainly, um, and 
we were in a relegation place for, for quite a while and it's, we got slowly better and better and better and the, the season ended positively but unfortunately he left mm. and then everything went to shit yeah well Just we need another you know say another 12 wins in my opinion to have a chance of automatic promotion so we're going to in, in the weekend was a bit of an eye opener because you know we've been talking about how poor the league is and it is compared to last season certainly but you know you're looking at the weekend and we can manage to get themselves mm. a result Ipswich, Ipswich losing and they managed to turn it around yeah. you know Rotherham won quite Rotherham with nil nil half time managed to you know score three you know got two quick goals in the second half this is when you know the pressure's on to deliver results and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the better teams now not dropping as many points because they'll you know, this is when it, you know it's the bus- it's the, the business end now, it isn't is. it? And There's so many teams in it, though, isn't yeah. there? You know, it's 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 so tight. So but they, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. just pleased that like all the sort of negativity of like going to the match and the sort of how how like how horrible the atmosphere was and how down in the dumps was just to see people having a smile on the face, going to the match and expecting to win. And Friday will be you know great. It's good to play first you know. before everybody, isn't well, it? Well, there's hard, there's not many, that many games Saturday. I was looking at it because the uh, it's the FA Cup, right? So there's quite a few. But if you talk for a bit, I'll find out. Uh, <laughs> you know the key games on Saturday. Let's if you, you uh, over elaborate on that uh, comment I made about it being a good time to play. I think Phil before everybody else <laughs> put out a statement. If you win live on Sky as well. Yeah, night night games are mint. As not well. another statement. Night, I, I love night games at the Stadium of Light, and if you start well, you know the atmosphere is going to be absolutely fantastic. So. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good opportunity as well. Doncaster, if we go back to the team, uh, the game where we talked about turning the round, Doncaster are a great opponent as well because they try and play out from the back. They, they're a team who, who tries to, to play nice football and sometimes if that, if that doesn't go right, then you can capitalise on that. And what we've talked about before, we saw it happen with Lincoln when they try to play out from the back and they made a few mistakes. You can see them get nervy. Um, so the potential's there for, for, for a really good night if you can replicate what you can do and and, that, and that's the exciting thing at the moment is that although you know it's it's a wide open division and we're not going to get too carried away at the moment when Sunderland are playing to what they're capable of it doesn't look like it matters a huge amount who the opposition are that's, I think that's one big yeah. one of the big changes in recent weeks and, and fingers crossed that continues it'll be Maybe interesting to see how Doncaster <coughs> line up there like yeah. uh, how they because we, we played them you know only a, a few weeks ago and um, we, we were better than them all over the park so but they've been doing well since then, so it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see yeah. how they come and respond to that because they'll uh, they'll want to get one back over on us, won't they? So big week for Peter. We're looking at it because they play Wickham on Tuesday night, and then they play Rotherham on Saturday. As in tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Ipswich, Lincoln, Burton, Accrington, Mr. Rovers, Fleetwood. You would say the key. The, the is it a full league program when we um, play Tranmere, or, or is that like a rearranged? Um, I think it's uh, the full league program, but. My thing doesn't. My fixture list doesn't go that far ahead of my phone. So, but you know, if we you know win Friday night, then we've got that game at Tranmere, which might mm. be a bit interesting with the state of that surface. Doesn't look great. Um, it never has. It's a shame that it's like a Tuesday game because traditionally, yeah, it's Friday it's night, wasn't it? It's well, it's just been a big away game. Yeah, you know, like yeah. where we took a lot of fans, but obviously it's going to be difficult, you know, for people to to do that midweek. Um, but as long as we go there and get the three points, I don't care. Do you want to do the drunk stories thing? Yeah, he's dying to do the plugs. Give our sponsor a plug. Nobody's 
Yes, we'll come back. Yes, we'll come back after this with a plug <laughs> for the, all the sponsors that we have now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So yeah, from the terraces. Nobody's kitted out in the gear today. I know. We've, all, we've all been to work. Go to front we can't of, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great Get attire, plugs, but Steven. it's not work attire. Uh, it's, it's casual match wear and attire. Yeah. But yeah, go to fromtheterraces.co.uk and and use the code WMS10 to get 10% off a checkout on your products. Been eyeing up the keep going on about the jacket. The jacket looks great. Been eyeing up to see the G laser on there at the moment. So if you're into a G, if you like a G lay, I don't know. Who doesn't? Um, never been a G lay wearer, Stephen. I don't think I could carry that off. I'm not sure you could either. No, it's not for me. Not for me. People think I was lost. Visualise it now. Um, with a life jacket on. Do um, remind people what they could do before the Oxford game? Uh, you can even come and join ourselves and Tom White from Sky Sports and Kevin Phillips um, at uh, Phantom Brewing in, in Reading. Um, and the tickets are on sale now. They've sold near enough 50 tickets already and the tickets yeah, for the on. game aren't even on sale yet. So if you're thinking about going, come along, Vox and Phantom are in brewing a, a beer in collaboration that'll and be available take it on the day. The yeah, as well. and that's so the key like thing. Yeah, right yeah. I've, I've got to go to Red now. We're going to get to Oxford after yeah. that. We're going to take you there. So you know, come to the come to the brewery bus after the event over at the game, and then you can get the get the bus back straight after to the to the brewery as well for a few beers after if you fancy. Um, so yeah, that's fancy. all included in the Jealous ticket I'm price. Not um, I'm not going to be there. Yeah, so it'll be me and the idiots who are going. <laughs> so Matthew and Rory. Taking the bends with you, yeah, taking the bends, so that'll be <laughs> have to wrangle them, you know, fruit shoots everywhere and, and the like, so that'll be fun. But yeah, but no, it'll be great. So come to that. The tickets are available online, and um, we've we've linked it up on the website. Um, but if you if you check out Phantom Bruins Facebook page and um, their their social media, um, you'll find the link to the tickets. I think they're about fifteen. Keep an eye for details of us coming back here. Oh yes, of course. That's the other thing as well, isn't it? Which we've already announced. At the top. Yeah, yeah. Do you drunk? Sure. Do you drunk things? Right. Like we used to do like question of the week, and we used to have like a little jingle in the background, and just sort of add yeah. a little bit of pace to it. So I don't know how dry this is going to sound, because I doubt Gareth could be asked to go and drop a little no, jingle. No, I'm going to upload this pretty much straight away <laughs> after we've finished. <clears throat> right. So this is stories people have put in either themselves or somebody else. Um, Marky Mark Twenty One Swansea away in the late seventies. Got back on the bus but a lad was missing uh, and the driver wouldn't leave without the full quarter without so they did the head count so one of the lads at the front jumped off the bus grabbed a homeless person gave him some money told him to sit in the spare seat and then he wandered off at Park Lane I would love it if that was a how your mum met your dad story <laughs> <laughs> she found some guy wandering around Park Lane um, Ryan at my big mouth Southampton away 8-0 fell asleep not a bad thing oh no it's on the train back to heaven so he did see the game um, mortal woke up in Bognor Regis missed the last train back to Haven from Bognor as I said falling asleep or being sick tends to be the theme here Peter Stamp in pre-season 73 as FA Cup winners 
Uh, we toured Scotland. I went to see us play Hamilton. All around were groups of Aki fans, each centred around a McEwan's bag. I'm not going to do a Scottish accent. Here, young'un, over here. Each had a six-pack and a bottle of scotch. Next group, over here. It was a very long day. If you ever actually watch football in Glasgow, that does happen. They wander around the streets with cans. It's really good. Um, it's really good. <laughs> have you been up at Glasgow to watch a game, Martin? Can you confirm that's true? I can confirm it's true. But although it's not normally cans, it's normally Buckfast. Yeah, but, uh, they do like the Buckfast. <laughs> yeah. They even put in the food and stuff. I was up at work in Glasgow in September and I had Buckfast built in some of the recipes. And built stuff. in? Like, as part of like the sticky fries and stuff like that. <laughs> They're very healthy up there. I was, I was reading that uh, the average age of, of death or life expectancy in this part, certain parts of Glasgow is, is 53 oh God, which, is, which is actually about the same as, as it is in Russia where there are mainly alcoholics mm. and lunatics <laughs> hashtag blue like the Monday. lowest, the lowest yeah. in Europe do, you other, do the rest come on Stephen come uh, on Stephen quite a few to get through I might have to skip some uh, or Mitchell ones. Man United well, have, well I didn't put them in any sort of order about like quality of story so I'm just going to have to skip over some uh, Owen Mitchell Man United last game of the season not the Aguero one got so steaming I couldn't see argued with the food kiosk people because I had no meat based products left then bumped into a lad and started having a go at him realised he was with a small kid said sorry left in shame he should be ashamed <laughs> Um, Jason Abbott um, under Mick we played on Rotherham away just after Christmas I was so drunk I went to the game with a life size cardboard cut out of Dale Winton that I pinched from a pub and ended up a night in Sheffield um, a young Mrs. from Matthew M. Jacko 1989 might be the same person you saw in Martin a young one behind us in the playoff final must have been about 16 spent the first half spewing his guts up in his seat spent the second half being looked after by St John's ambulance and got took out after 70 minutes um, Ross Palmer Portsmouth at home last season was drinking a lot of um, product from Vox Brewery kicks like a mule can remember he was in the peacock there you go woke up in the ground 15 minutes in apparently went to another two pubs en route to the ground. I know Ross Palmer he's never been able to take his drink. Okay, there you go then. So you can you can say that story's probably Another often. former ALS seller like Phil. Another one from Marky Mark twenty one. Exeter away midweek cup game nineteen ninety. Bloke got on a bus with a litre bottle of Bacardi and a three litre three litre Coke bottle. He was asleep by Leeds. Couldn't wake him up on arrival, still asleep after the game, didn't wake up till I got back to Park Lane and then wandered off the bus without a word. I've seen that a lot. Actually, I was on a minibus where a lad was from South Shields, and he was he was that drunk that just dropped him, that just dropped him off at Hetton and told him he was in South Shields. <laughs> Not very nice, but there you go. Um, Kevin Gibson, this is a familiar theme as well. He's actually got the like exact date here. I don't know if he's just it's etched in his brain, or if he's gone like Googled it because he knew what game it was. 18th of September 2004, Sunderland one, Preston one. Uh, at least he thought it was until he woke up on Sunday with a um, not substantial hangover and a 3-1 scoreline on ITV's The Championship. So forgetting the score is quite interesting. Do you want to read Michael Conroy's out, Martin? Then? Yeah, it was quite good. Actually, we were in, we were in one of my vans coming back from the uh, Bristol Rovers <coughs> game in the Cup, and we did the podcast, and Michael Locke forgot to press record. So we had to do it again, and he was sat going backwards, and then Michael was then sick, Michael Locke was. And <laughs> we had to stop the van and clean it out and then uh He didn't tell us this. Yeah, exactly. But the podcast sounded great. 
Um, <laughs> they did. I remember it was all right. <laughs> and yeah, like Michael Conroy was was the was probably the instigator of uh, of the alcohol. So we're building up a picture of Michael Loth here, James mm. Copley, former of these walls, um, Mickey Loth at Swansea away is a contender to force Hatrick. The big man made a Swans fan have a meltdown. Tears tantrum the lot. Be ashamed of yourself, Michael. He's, doing, he's coming out of this really well. He just sounds like a, oh, no. a bully. Was, was that the game where he was offside for every single goal? Defoe. Oh, the 4-1, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So every VR single one was offside, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what we're saying. Thank um, God for VAR. Chris's cousin, Chris Witherspoon's cousin, uh, he got Chris so drunk at Accurate last season, he thought Baldwin and Flanagan were both clearing the same ball. He was saying double. That might have happened, you know. Yeah, that I remember. <laughs> I remember seeing before the game, he could hardly walk, actually. <laughs> Yeah, we've we've seen that over Christmas. Yeah. Um, and finally, I think this is the best one. Certainly got a lot of um, interaction on Twitter. People liking the tweet and stuff like that. And this is from Gash Gash B seventy six, Preston away, left home seven a.m. Saturday eight hour session, heavy defeat. Ran on pitch, got arrested, missed the bus home. Sells until twelve a.m. Clubbing on his own, house party until six a.m. McDonald's till eleven a.m. Mate drove down to pick him up, back home by four o'clock on Sunday. Mr. Family Party, divorce foundations laid. Sounds like some people I know, actually, but... Uh, <laughs> as whoever came to pick him up, is that still from Preston as well? I'm guessing so, yeah. House party That's in Preston. That's good oh, mate, he's, uh, he's made the most of it. Um, he's crammed quite a lot in. If we had a prize to give away, that would probably be it, but I don't think we do. He's the Unless, winner. Like, uh, no, we Barry don't have a prize. Uh, free paint or something if he comes to the, yeah. the, comes to the Peacock for the first <laughs> live show or something like that. Maybe, uh, you know, since we're encouraging binge drinking, why not give a pint away as a prize? Sounds so like a good idea. Making that decision. Anybody else got anything before we want to gnash off? No. No? <laughs> we'll be back. The children will be back doing the podcast on Thursday, probably from Geordie Land again. Um, Boo. It's a big game Friday. Go and get a ticket if you're not going. Um, because I know Phil mentioned that, you know, under the whole, under the lights thing. And it does add to it. But equally, it can be, it can go the other way, I think, if, it's, if the atmosphere is not good. You do get people staying away for games on Sky, which hopefully they won't do. So go and get yourself a ticket and support the lads. Aye. Thanks for listening. <laughs>